Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. Time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name is Bron Burton. My name's Cade Mills. Hi, Cade. I was a little bit scattered until I heard that theme song and then it just started to centre me and bring me back in. So I'm feeling good now. We're having a bit of pre-radio fun chat. We are. How exciting. Mm. I cannot Starts wait. Fish, week. fish names. I have so much fun putting together fish names themed around Radiothon themes. So, and it's educational. Like, I mean, it works for a science show, doesn't it? Yeah. It's so much to work with. Yeah. School, fish schools. Yeah. Well, I mean, As- I've got to credit my wife with my favourite so far. The class clownfish. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Um, well, For more gold like that, subscribe during Radiothon. <laughs> it's six days away. I know. Yeah. I still can't. I've still got to retrain my brain to not read out the number. That's what happens when you do it for so many years. Ah, yeah. Because au. But don't do it now. <laughs> Next week. Sorry, Nerida. Nerida's freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you very much, Tim, for wonderful Vital Bits. Six hours of fabulous Vital Bits and... Um, Andrew for Solver Bits, Edith for Things to Do Today, and uh, amazing guests this morning. Oh, how nice was that coming in? I mm. got to catch the last of it in studio. Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. And Just Tom did a uh, – Tom, where did that come from? Tim did a great job of mixing the sound too. Yeah. It sounded superb. That's lovely. So Justin Bernasconi, um, you can catch him with Nick Charles. I'm going to repeat that if you uh, if you missed that at the Lomond. He played a – and that's on Wednesday – uh, this coming Wednesday, played a lovely, lovely piece. Uh, I was chatting to him in the green room about it. Um, very sea-themed, so mm. not recorded as yet, or recorded but not released. So anyway, looking forward to playing that at some point in the future. And, of course, Charmer Finches, amazing as always. Yeah, well, they've been in a bit lately. Yeah. They, yeah. They must be getting along well with Tim. <laughs> Charmer Finches and Husky, so thank you so much. And, yeah, you can catch Tim next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, from 6 till 9 for his first two out of four Radiothon shows. He does 12 hours of Radiothon radio. Oh, and look, people, keep on listening and keep on subscribing. Incredible, as you would, as you would if you love this station, as we all do. All right, let's go through the program today. We are, we're covering a lot of bases today. We are, we're all over the shop. (laughs) We're uh, firstly going to be speaking with Dave Donnelly from Killer Whales Australia and Dolphin Research Institute. He's just come back from a trip to Tonga, the kingdom, Kingdom of Tonga. And uh, he's going to be talking about the impacts of whale swim industry, the whale swim industry on the whales themselves and particularly um, the calving grounds where humpbacks go to birth. Yeah, and this is something he's been doing for quite a while, so it'd be fascinating to sort of get an update on that research and the work that's happening. Yeah. And speaking of calves, there's a a new uh, baby killer whale out there. So Dave's going to tell us all about that too. I miss that. Hmm. Looking forward to that. And then we're going from Tonga to Noosa to uh, catch up with Dr. Beach. Oh, he's living the lifestyle of <laughs> glitz is. and glamour, Dr. Beach is. He's getting in touch with his inner Peru and Trude um, <laughs> up there on, at Noosa and uh, he's just going to basically brag about his, his nice little holiday <laughs> and give us a bit of a whale-watching report. So we've got Dave bragging about going to Tonga, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Beach, Noosa. Who have we got next? Then we've got Dr. Paul Carnell yeah. from uh, Deakin Uni and um, he's part of this amazing, wonderful partnership with uh, the Nature Conservancy, uh, Melbourne Uni, Deakin Uni and Parks Victoria, which you're very familiar with, Kate. So the 
um, kelp restoration project, uh, which we've spoken about on this program, but also research which now goes back to 10 years looking at the relationship between kelp decline and urchin abundance, population of urchins. Um, so Paul's going to be bringing us up to speed on 10 years of research. Yeah, and it's such a complex issue, which is why we've, I guess we've covered it so much on this show and had so many different people sort of talking in and it's great. He'll, I'm sure he'll announce there's a public event coming up where people can come along and they are digging into that complexity and sort of bringing the public along for the ride with us to try and help them understand. So, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So that's going to be really good. Yes, and as you've rightly pointed out, he'll talk about that event. Um, it's a seminar. It's happening Wednesday week uh, at Deakin. Um, there's a Deakin campus in the city. I think it's on a Thursday. We'll have to double-check. Let one, Paul do the promotion because I'm going. I, <laughs> so think, I think it's Wednesday. And Dr Beach is hosting, actually. That's right. He's emceeing. The radio celebrity. It could go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He might tell he might tell you all about his noosa holiday as well. Good. <laughs> um, and then we're um, we're continuing uh, our, our voyage of discovery by speaking with Dr. Alison O'Brien from Melbourne Uni, and it's Melbourne Uni Open Day, Kate. It's Open Day season. It ha- is, and she's going to be down there. Yeah, live on location. Yeah, and actually, live on. Speaking of live on location, when you spoke to me from the Sea Slug Census, um, I actually had a listener who was listening at Cape Woolamai jump in oh. a car and come over oh, and join fantastic. us. And we're able to find some slugs for her and she loved it. Oh, Absolutely so loved it. So that was great. That was great. Before we get onto the sea slug census, just to put that in context, it's it's open day season. Melbourne Uni open day is today. Um, so if you're thinking about going to open day and maybe haven't realised that it's on today, um, it is on today at Melbourne Uni in Parkville. I gather at their other campuses as well. Um, we can we'll ask, find out. We'll find out. We'll I think it kicks off at 10 o'clock, so you've still got a bit of time if you're just rubbing the sleep out of your eyes <laughs> and you want to go. But with specific reference to marine, all things marine, uh, Alison's going to talk about their undergrad course uh, to do marine biology, marine science, what it involves. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to talking to Alison about that. Yeah, and there's a long history of great scientists there and coming out of the university, so yeah, marine think- scientists in particular, and I imagine there's probably a few of them Maybe one of them in the studio. Well, I think there's a few of us. We're talking you and me. No, I'm I'm a Deakin student. Oh, I thought, yes, I thought you did some Melbourne Uni stuff. No, never okay. in my time. No. Oh well, yeah. Was, I'm Geelong born and bred, but yes, Meredith's giving us a wind up because we're just yakking away. <laughs> she, well, she could see the wistful so. look on my face. I was about to launch into all my <laughs> memories of my you know alma mater yesteryear days at Melbourne Uni, which I did love so very much. Well, should I talk about the weather? Yeah, we better do that. Yes, we'll let people know what the weather's going to be like. Today, I think it's going to be quite a nice day today, so some westerly winds, so find the surf break that's nice and protected from the westerly and get out amongst it. Um, and we've got a low tide, it was at 8 o'clock this morning, a couple of hours ago, or an hour ago, and a high tide's at about 2.30, 2.40 this afternoon at Port Phillip Heads. And for, well, Monday's looking great, 18 with some possible showers, and then it just starts to look more like August, where we've got some 15, 16, 18, actually 18. It's looking pretty good, and I think there's pretty much northerlies around, so find your dive sites, find your surf breaks that are, you know, make the most of that northerly wind, get amongst it. Excellent. 
Let's, uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the sea slug census. Just quickly. I rarely talk about the work that I do, but um, so the sea slug census is a program that I've been involved in and running in Victoria, but it sort of originated out of New South Wales and we've sort of been a big part of it. And just recently we were nominated for a Australian Museum Eureka Prize in Innovation in Citizen Science. Woo-hoo. So on Friday I went to Black Tie on Elgin Street and was fitted out for a tuxedo <laughs> because awesome. it is a black tie affair and I did wear shoes narrator in there so <laughs> and I do have to go and buy shoes after the show because I don't have any that are appropriate <laughs> for the event. I love that. So that's next Wednesday um, and it's actually been streamed online and also um, Triple R sort of friend Dr Ewan or Professor Ewan Ritchie has also been nominated for a Celestino Eureka Prize for promoting understanding of science. Um, so Triple R is representing pretty heavily at the yeah. um, Eureka Prize is up at the Australian Museum next Wednesday but I just wanted to give a thank you to everyone who's been involved in the project whether they've seen a slug, they've submitted a slug or they've just come along when we've done some work on slugs. Um, I can't wear my nudie costume bronze. I'm really Aww. sorry that that's not going to but I can bring it in for Radiothon yes, if you like <laughs> Oh, yeah, get absolutely. that back on board. But, yeah, all the people and even Triple R for promoting that work and encouraging people. As I said before, people jumped in their car and came to find a slug just last Sunday. So, yeah, no, it's been great. So it'll be – I'll keep you posted. We've been nominated. There's another couple up against us. But, um, look, it's about the joy of going there and rubbing shoulders with people a lot smarter than me. It should be fun. Do you have to prepare a speech? In case you I do. I've got a 30-second speech to give in case that goes through. So it will be focused around thanking everyone that's been involved. It's a citizen science project and the people that are involved are the ones that have been driving it and sort of pushing the science forward. So, yeah, Wonderful. it's a really good acknowledgement. Oh, good luck. Yeah, thank you. Good luck to Nudie Watch. <laughs> Keep Hope it clean. And good luck to you and as well. Triple R. Without further ado, we're now going to cross to... Dave Donnelly from Killer Whales Australia and Dolphin Research Institute. Good morning, Dave. Good morning to the good ship Marinara. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. It's great to have you on board. Oh, it's a, it's a rickety old ship, this one. You <laughs> <laughs> big night out there, Dave. <laughs> no, it's a good, it's a good ship Marinara. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, now, you've just come back from uh, a trip to Tonga, to the Kingdom of Tonga. What was that all about? Uh, yeah, well, we've been uh, travelling to the Kingdom of Tom- Tonga since about 2007 on an almost annual basis um, and putting a fair bit of work into um, collecting information on humpback whale song, also collecting a, um, a fluke IDs for, for cataloguing for the uh, University of Auckland and uh, the song is for the University of Queensland. But on top of that, we're also uh, combining that with whale swim tourism, ethical whale swim tourism, which allows people coming on board to contribute to research whilst at the same time having a sort of tourism experience of an ethical nature, which is um, seems to be working okay. But sadly, um, it's, uh, it's overwhelmed by the actual tourism industry, which is more around targeting cows with calves in the calving areas, which is what we're trying to avoid. So it's a, it's a bit of an uphill battle, but uh, I do believe that um, there, there is a, a scope there for, for better, better things in the future. 16 years is a long time to be going there every single year. Um, have you noticed sort of a gradual trend in the impact on the whales themselves? And what has that impact been, really? 
Yeah, it's a really interesting question, and it's fairly well studied in snippets, if you like. There's been a number of people working on um, understanding the humpback whales of Oceania, um, and particularly around the uh, whale swim tourism industry. And uh, there's been a lot of report writing and scientific publications on the topic, um, all of which reach the same conclusion, and that is whale swim tourism as it, it operates now, currently, um, is disruptive to to humpback whale cow calf pairs in particular, given their sensitivity, um, and is having an impact on those animals through displacement. And of course, um, you would know this being a mum, Bron, and all the mums out there. You know that when you have a uh, a baby, it's time, it's bonding, and it's building strength within that um, within your offspring. And we afford. Um, you know, a restricted visitation to to new human mums. We res- we afford a, a restriction on uh, when you can take a puppy from a dog and when you can take a kitten from a cat. Um, at least in the in the ethical world, that's the way it's done. Um, sadly, we don't afford the same considerations to one of the most one of the world's most majestic animals and the flagship for whale conservation over a number of years. We're we're, we're now introducing, or we have introduced, a new threat which is real and in other parts of the world particularly the Dominican Republic, where sperm whales are interacted with in a similar nature, we're seeing population-level effects, um, so impacts from the tourism, which has slowed or stunted the growth of the populations. And for what it's worth, this is unproven, so caveat first, unproven, but it is a, is a hypothesis, is that... Um, well, sorry, humpback whale populations around the world, particularly eastern and western Australia, have gone gone fantastically well in terms of recovery. They're the best conservation story you could ever hope for. In contrast, the whales of Oceania are not recovering at those similar rates, and they were hunted down to very similar numbers. So something is happening in the Oceania region um, to those whales, which has slowed their recovery when you compare it to other populations around the world. So. Whale swim tourism is just one thing. There's many, many other things it could be as well. But um, I think it's worth considering, considering the, the things we know from other places in the world and other species. Dave, for you, thank you. Oh my God, it's a lot to absorb there. But um, hello, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfectly fine. I just wanted to go back to, I guess, where you started with the whole ethical side of it, and you've mentioned all the things that uh, the impacts that are being had by doing it, I guess, in the way that it's currently done. What are the things that can change? And I guess what are the things that people can look out for if they're on doing whale swims and things like that, the ways that um, this can be improved? Yeah, look, I think the, if, you, if you're shopping around for a whale swim experience, and let me remind you that I'm not against whale swim tourism at all. I think the whale swim tourism, whale watching, they're all very, can be very positive things, but they can have negative impacts as well. And with the Kingdom of Tonga being a nation that used to whale, doesn't whale now, but it still has subsistence whaling in the back of its thoughts, you wouldn't want to take tourism away completely because that might lapse back into subsistence whaling. So I'll just put that in there as well. But if people are looking for whale swim experiences, I would insist on not interacting with cow-calf pairs on the calving grounds. This is a critical place for the development of the next generation of whales. And there's two things that happen. One is there could be mortality rates. Uh, We don't know that for certain. The other thing is that the population or subpopulation around Tonga is almost certainly habituated to um, human interaction now 
And what we're seeing as a result of that is animals approaching humans with no fear whatsoever, very, very closely. They're very acrobatic underwater. They throw themselves around. And, and the offset of that is now we're seeing humans being injured, um, broken ribs, broken arms, uh, legs, and things like that, which are, are not reported. Um, so there's a whole range of things to be considered and far too much to talk about in this short time. But if you're looking for a, a good option, think about your own ethics and please consider the next generation of whales which is those newborn calves we need to just leave them alone and let them grow um, maybe we can interact with them when they come back to the calving grounds in a few years time yeah really good message there dave think ethically when you're making your holiday choices um all right let's move on to talk about uh some an exciting announcement of a new arrival Absolutely. Look, we've had some killer whale activity around um, Victorian, look, Victorian coastline and Tasmanian, for that matter. Um, and there's been a little bit of marimbula, which we, we spoke about a few weeks ago. Um, but what we've seen is that that particular family group that showed up in marimbula with the very famous photos of the animals breaching in the background. There was Long Point in the background. Fantastic stuff. That family group now has a new addition, um, an animal which is a very, very close companion to Split Fin, who was the animal in the breaching photos of marimbula. Um, her name is Midnotch, and it looks as though she has had a calf, her third since we've known her, and we've known her since 2004, um, so third confirmed. So we're very, very, very excited. And again, I, I know I go on about this, I harp on about this, but citizen science achieves objectives, full stop. Sure does. <laughs> that's, and it achieves it in real time, and information becomes available in real time. Um, there's no one holding this information. It's just there to be, uh, to be chatted about and understood and educate people and inform decision-making around offshore developments and things like that. So we're really, really proud of, of the great network of people who are involved in the work that we try to do on their behalf at Killer Whales Australia. And this is a great news story and something that um, has just made us, brought a real smile to our face. Hey, look at that little fin right there. Um, we've, we've still got life in this group yet. <laughs> yeah, couldn't agree with you more, Dave. It's been really great to see the evolution of citizen science over the you know twenty five odd years we've been doing this program. It's really come from a place where you know that the uh, academic circles sort of kind of poo pooed it in a way, and now it's got to the point where it it's not just accepted, but it's really advocated for and really encouraged. Exactly because of the reasons you just said. Otherwise, we wouldn't know about things like this. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the things that are happening along our coastline in Victoria right now, uh, the proposed developments of various installations on, in offshore areas, they require real-time information. They require new information. Um, and that's a lot of how um, these uh, regulators are looking at it. How can we get that? And one of the things that we offer is citizen science, validated citizen science work. And it is, um, it is almost immeasurable how, much, how valuable it is. Um, what's what's coming up for you in the next few weeks? Uh, the next few weeks, it's looking like we're starting to see whales heading back down the coast. That is humpback whales starting to make their way south, and some of them have remained in our waters. We're getting some feeding activity, so we're hoping that we're going to get out and about, uh, hopefully around that uh, southeast Gippsland region, and see if we can't catch some of these um, humpback whales on their way south and, and collect more information on who's who in the zoo, so to speak. But that big blue zoo, not the one with the bars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're very, uh, very excited about that. Um, locally, we're 
we're desperate to get out and do some more work on our common dolphins in Port Phillip, which uh, we've now uh, catalogued just over 140 animals using Port Phillip, which is unheard of, um, you know, previous to 2005, these oceanic dolphins. But that's a whole other story. But we're very excited about that winter being the time when they come in close to shore and feed on uh, bait fish. So looking forward to that. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, we'll catch up with you in a few weeks' time. We're shortly going to be crossing to um, New uh, to uh, southern Queensland uh, to catch up with our Dr Beach, who's live on location in Noosa and is going... I think it's Noosa anyway. We'll find it in a sec. But he's going to be giving us his own whale-watching uh, report. So, um, yeah, if you're anywhere near a, a device where you can hear his whale-watching report, he'll be bringing that to us shortly, Dave. Oh, that sounds very exciting, Dr Beach, uh, my new competition on the air, airwaves. Uh, I'm, I am uh, currently in Cairns and we saw five humpback oh. whales, including one calf on uh, Saturday. So we're, we're, I'm, I'm in amongst oh. it. All right, well, the bar has been set, so yeah. we'll see where Dr Beach goes with this. But he's, uh, he's reporting in as a citizen scientist. We'll fi- have to find out whether he's logged his sighting on Podwatch. Um, and oh. Yeah, already uh, put a link to that on our Facebook page so you can um, make sure you do that too. Awesome, Dave. Always a pleasure. And I didn't realise you are in Cairns. Um, yeah. yeah. Jealous. A little. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the warmth. It's, uh, you know, still – it's actually not too bad here, but, um, yeah, still Melbourne winter. So enjoy and we'll catch you in a few weeks. Good on you. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Dave Donnelly there. In Cairns, yeah, you know. everyone's somewhere nice and warm, it seems. <laughs> what are we doing? We're, we're here with the warmth of our hearts, True. Kate, we in are, the triple R We're warming years. everyone's ears. <laughs> triple R. Without further ado, crossing to... We've gone, we've gone from the far north Queensland coast down to the far south. Good morning, Dr Beach. Uh, good morning. How are you going? Can yeah, you hear me? yeah, we can indeed. How are you? I'm very well. I'm sitting here on the beach at, um, at Parisian. And, and by the way, um, it's not true and true to me, so I heard that comment earlier on. Parisian's much more polite. That's the bad thing, that between, um, yeah, between Noosa and Crawford. On the beach at the moment with, um, yeah, with the dog and the birth correspondent looking out at people surfing. It's beautiful and, um, yeah, whales flapping about in the background. I've seen two this morning. Just heard Dave's... Um, report from Tonga and Cairns and he said he saw five mother calf pairs yesterday. We see, I would say 20 whales a day here oh. for the last week. It's amazing. <laughs> I knew you were going to try and one-up, Dave. <laughs> Incredible. Now, and the big question here, Dr Beach, is are you logging them all on Podwatch? I am not, but yeah, I just heard that before, so I will start doing that. But it's, um, I reckon there's quite a few citizen scientists up here. Um, Cousin of the Baron Affairs correspondent who we're staying with, she's very much a citizen scientist and she's, um, yeah, I'm sure she's doing that. Um, but there's, yeah, a lot of very interested um, locals here uh, watching the whales continually. In fact, it's a bit of a, yeah, Dave mentioned um, ethical tourism and being careful of mother calf pairs. Just yesterday afternoon, we saw a, um, a whale. We could see the flippers, the, um, the pectoral fins, both of them up in the air and I assume that she was feeding because we could see her spout occasionally when she flipped over and also tiny little puff that was so sweet just from the baby. Um, they were only about 200 metres offshore and I saw this boat approaching and I thought they, surely they could see and the flippers were you know, there like a big white flag um, and they kept going. They went up really close mm-hmm. and um, this boat, uh, you know, ironically named Good Vibes um, but yeah, apparently not all people have the message yet about steering clear of of whales, especially 
Uh, mother calf pairs, they may not have known to be sort of fair to them that it was a mother calf pair, but anyway, you still steer clear of waves, as I'm sure of waves, of whales. Um, I'm looking at waves at the moment, that's why I said that. Uh, but um, yeah, as most of our listeners will be aware, you've got to be very conscious of that. But very certainly very healthy populations here. It's you know, wonderful, as we all know, to hear the, the, the rejuvenation of the humpback populations. And, and, we, and I'm, we're seeing some heading south from here. They've said that migration has started south, and yeah, it certainly appears to be the case where we're seeing some heading south, as well as some still heading north, uh, further out to sea. So about you know three or four hundred metres, maybe five hundred metres out, you can see some, some which appear to be heading north, and um, further in, the ones which um, appear to be heading south. So it's very beautiful here um, on the sunny coast. Loving it. Very good. And uh, you'll be coming back to Melbourne for Radiothon, I'm hoping, Dr Beach? Uh, we're hitting the Frog and Toad on Thursday, and I'll be back in time for Radiothon on Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, having a couple of stops on the way down. On the drive up, we, um, I heard Dave mention Marimbula. We stopped at Pambula and um, just gorged ourselves on oysters. It was fantastic. And it reminds <laughs> me like, you know, what, that, that, you know, what good seafood oysters are. They're sustainable. They clean up the water. Um, they suck a lot of carbon out of the atmosphere, building their shells. We can use them to make artificial reefs if we want it afterwards. Um, so really good things for, for people to eat. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're having such a great time, Dr Beach, and bring all that energy into the Triple R Studios next Sunday when we uh, launch our first of our two Radiothon shows for 2023. Hey, stay safe, enjoy it, lap it all up, log those sightings on Podwatch, and we'll catch you next week. Well done. Nice to speak to you. See you, Kate. See you see all next beach. weekend. <laughs> yes, yeah. see you, Beach. Hi, Nerida. <laughs> She's waving. <Yeah. laughs> oh, fantastic. 9.33. Okay. Oh, yep. See ya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he's gone. Yeah. I want to do a road trip. That's what it's got me inspired yeah, to do. I don't mind doing a road yeah. trip. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Independent Melbourne Radio 3 Triple R. Bit of an announcement. You might have heard this with um, various station announcements. Over the last few days, there'll be more continuing. Triple R and the 86 Super Saturday presents a Triple R takeover at Northcote Theatre. So this looks amazing. Saturday, 28th of October. So it's not for a little while, but definitely something to put in your calendar. Triple R takeover, Northcote Theatre. Triple R and the 86 celebrate Melbourne as one of the world's great music cities with a Triple R takeover at the Northcote Theatre. It's featuring Briggs, Delivery, uh, Kai, Normie, Normie Row. Ah, that's why Tim played the Normie Row track this morning. (laughs) Yep, he's nodding. Yeah, it is. Okay, I've finally just woken up for that. Uh, Party Dozen and 1300. Tickets are free, free to this amazing event, but they're limited. Um, Triple R listeners, get in quick. You need to register at the86.com. So just repeating that, the86.com. We're going to hear some music now. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be catching up with Dr. Paul Carnell about 10 years of research into the relationship between sea urchins and kelp in Port Phillip Bay. Triple R. Coming up, I also wanted to mention thanks to Cliff. Cliff, our Antarctica or former Antarctica correspondent, has um, sent a text via the Triple R text line. Um, and uh, Cliff says, uh, "Any oh, this is probably more for um, for Dave Donnelly, so we'll pass this on, Dave uh, Cliff, to Dave. Any dwarf minky whale news? Lots of citizen science done there. So, yeah, good oh, point. Okay, yeah. Thanks, Cliff. Good follow up. Always great to hear from you. All right, as I mentioned, yeah, 19 minutes now to 10. Now, over the past few decades, we've seen a significant decline in the kelp forests and macroalgae that provide important habitat, food and shelter for much of Port Phillip Bay's marine life. Over the same time, the native purple 
purple sea urchin appears to have completely taken over, certainly in some places, and have exploded in population. Both trends have sparked a new field of research to understand what's going on, whether it's uh, natural resource managers should also be concerned. So what has the research shown us? How extensive is the loss of kelp in the bay? Are we past the point of no return? And if not, what needs to be done? To tell us all about it, it's with great pleasure. We welcome from Deakin University, Dr. Paul Carnell. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Bron. Morning, Kate. And good morning to all listeners out there. Great to have you with us and uh, thanks for joining us again. Let's go back to 10 years uh, in the past. Where, where did the research spring from? When did we realise there was actually a problem? Yeah, great, great question. So, yeah, I, I began my PhD all, all the way back in uh, 2010 and, uh, yeah, my original goal was to study the amazing kelp that we have in the bay and understand more about it. Um, and it was actually uh, members of the community that, you know, diving in places like Jawbone and Ricketts Point Marine Sanctuary that were noticing uh, the increase in sea urchins and that was impacting on the kelp and the other seaweeds and then them taking those concerns to Past Victoria and then Past Victoria coming to the universities and saying, hey, uh, do you guys know what's going on? And so quickly my project turned from one really about the kelp to that it was hard not to ignore uh, the, the sea urchin issue that, that was also... Uh, really ramping up at that point in time. It's a great example of, um, I guess, people just keeping an eye on their patch, really, isn't it? Um, mm. you know, that information, because they're out there all the time, scientists don't often get the time to go in the field, as I'm sure you're <laughs> well familiar with. Um, having people out there basically being the eyes on the ground, is it's quite impressive. And, I mean, I guess when you started this 10 years ago, did you think you'd still be talking about it now? And you'll be <laughs> talking about it for at least the next 10 years, if not longer? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, yeah, 10 years ago, yeah, it was really trying to understand, like, was it an issue? So, um, you know, people might be familiar with that, you know, we have these natural dynamics that happen in the bay. And so, so the big question was, were sea urchins an issue or is this just a natural part of the dynamics that there's sometimes where their populations boom, but then they bust and the kelp will recover? So, um, but yeah, and, and I guess, you know, part of what we'll be delving in into the, um, into the seminar that, that, that will plug a little bit more uh, going on is kind of, um, so we realised that actually what we were seeing through that 2000s period, which is really the millennium drought, um, the increase in sea urchins, the decline in kelp, we hadn't seen that in kind of, since about the, the kind of 1940s or 50s, that amount of loss of all the kelp and seaweeds and then just that increase in, in the urchin numbers. And so, yeah, that, that really flipped it from, okay, this is something that we now need to take action on um, and to try and manage and um, uh, to try and at the very least stop uh, uh, the urchins overgrazing any more new areas. Um, and then now what's the, the focus of the current new uh, program is then about restoring back these, these lost uh, forests. Two things I really love about this, Paul. One is we've talked a bit about citizen science throughout the course of the show um, and that this this is something that really sprang from effectively citizen science. You've got scientists out there, you've got citizens, sorry, out there um, snorkelling, observing things and then alerting the authorities and then the authorities tapping into their networks. So I love the fact mm. that there's, there's so much connection that's happening now um, across sort of all these different sort of groups. And then you've got this partnership arrangement that's happened between Melbourne Uni, Deakin Uni, Parks Vic and then of course, the Nature Conservancy, who are a major part of this as well, and mm. and um, VNPA too, Kate? Uh, not yet. 
<laughs> we, we're, we're an active voice in supporting it. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, it's great. And this is something another, you know, we've talked a little bit about the evolution of systems and how things change. And it, and this is one thing that really has changed for the better. I can imagine, you know, a time, not imagine, there would have been a time not that long ago where um, particularly tertiary institutions were a little bit more protective of their patch. And so, you know, to have this kind of network, this really supportive network partnership work is is fantastic and it's continuing. Yeah, that's right, and um, uh, and not to uh, toot our own horns, but I feel like we're kind of like the 92, you know, like USA Dream Team, you know, we've got uh, all the best Kelvin Urchin researchers, but also the best people working on restoration um, in these systems in in, uh, the Nature Conservancy as well, and then, you know, past Victoria, and, you know, they're, you know, really long-standing history of, um, like you were saying, working with uh, the community and the different groups, um, partnering up. Um, getting people out there to help with, say, some of the culling days or some of the monitoring days and things like that. So, yeah, it's really tapping into, yeah, um, uh, yeah, um, the, the this, this really big network. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the goodwill that exists there as well. Um, so 10 years of research, what, what have you found? Because this started from being quite a local observation. What, what, what have you found over the last 10 years sort of at a much broader level? Yeah, so I guess it, 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 it really is that we kind of shifted from that focus of are the urchins an issue to finding out that, that they were. And then it was really about trying to test, well, what are the ways that we can manage that? And um, this is another area that, yeah, yeah we got um, some of the citizen scientists involved in again. So we, we ran a program a few years ago where we actually trialled doing, doing culling of sea urchins in the marine sanctuaries in certain patches to look at the effect that that would have. Um, is that a, um, an effective uh, kind of management uh, technique? And we saw really positive signs from all of that. So we did that in Jawbone Marine Sanctuary and over in Point Cook. Um, and so, yeah, then it really shifted to, okay, now let's take this from a trial in kind of smaller patches to, yeah, let's really start to upscale this and to really try and fix and restore those areas that we know had been lost over that last kind of 10, 15, 20-year uh, period. So, yeah, I guess the other thing I really like about this is that we've seen it from, oh, no, we have a really big problem and, oh, wait, now we're actually trying to do all these amazing things to actually restore it back to what it was. So we have a really positive message at the end of the day knowing that we can actually have an impact and we can actually start to restore these areas. Let's talk about the seminar which is coming up now. Uh, Kate and I couldn't remember whether it was Wednesday or Thursday. I thought it was Wednesday. He thought it was Thursday. <laughs> Uh, so it is Thursday the 31st of August uh, at 6pm uh, until about 7.30. And what can people expect to see when they go? So, yeah, we're going to start off with um, a little bit of, yeah, diving into that into that history and the knowledge and what we've learned about this system and about uh, the kelp and the urchins in the bay um, so that people have that really detailed understanding and background. And there is a lot of complexity in there. Um, you know, I've kind of summarised it um, kind of broadly but yeah there is a lot of complexity to these systems and uh and and to the reefs in the bay so we'll really be trying to dive into that uh and then it's really actually opening up to a panel so we'll have a, a couple of us give um talks at the start uh, and then it really is kind of q a panel style so yeah come along if if you've uh, got an interest in it um and you've got questions that you really wanted uh uh answered or things you really wanted to know or even you don't know anything about it yet but you want to come along and learn more and then uh, maybe you have some questions so yeah we really want it to be an interactive chance for people to yeah ask ask the experts and um uh, uh, in the field and um, across across these various now, this teams is at, and uh, project members this, yeah. is at, this is at deacon downtown 
Um, yes. We put a link to that on our Facebook page. If you go and check out mm. our post for today's program, um, you'll see a photo of uh, some urchins on a very bare piece, uh, bare-looking <laughs> piece of rock. If you click on that, it'll take you through to the event Eventbrite link where you can go and book. It's free, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So there's just a limited number of uh, seats. So, yeah, important to jump on and book and, and reserve your seat. Um, and, yeah, like you said, it's at uh, Deacon Downtown, which is uh, it's 727 Collins Street in Tower 2. So it's in one of the big kind of office looking buildings. If you haven't been there before, it's probably good to get there about 10 minutes early. Uh, find your way to Tower 2 and then up to Level 12, um, which is where the, the Deacon area is. Once you get into Tower 2 and near the lifts, um, you should see um, it's saying Deakin University Level 12 there. But, yeah, if you haven't been there before, yeah, good to get there at least 10, 15 minutes early just so you can navigate your way through. Brilliant. Hey, thanks, Paul. Thanks for joining us again. Always great to speak with you and um, good luck with this research and uh, particularly the restoration work as it continues. And we'll catch up with you again in the, the weeks or months ahead. Great. Thanks so much, Ron. Thanks, Kate. No worries. I'll see you on the 31st. <laughs> see you then. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh, Dr. Paul Carnell there. Oh, we forgot to mention, of course, uh, our own Dr. Beach, who will be emceeing the event, will be hosting. He will be. So, yeah, I'm heading along to catch up. It's As I, as he said, it is very complex. So having an hour and a half, like having that time to really discuss those issues with the public is really important. And the good thing is it started with public observations and the public has been taking along and informed as it goes through. So they're doing an amazing job in that space. Yeah, good stuff. Melbourne's own. Triple R. Now, listen uh, out there. Do you want to be a marine biologist? We are in the middle of Melbourne Uni, or we're in the middle of University Open Day season. This weekend, it's time for University of Melbourne to showcase its finest, to show future uni students what's in store. So, what does Melbourne Uni offer the prospective marine biologist? To give us the answer, it's uh, we're now going to cross to my old alma mater, Melbourne University, to speak with Dr. Alison O'Brien, live on location to outline what's on offer and how and when you need to apply. Good morning, Alex. Hi, Ron. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's very exciting talking to you about Open Day. I'm actually heading down there shortly with my daughter. Um, oh, great. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll be able to come up and say hi. Yeah, um, you should. Yeah, very exciting day for you. Is it? Is it? there been a big build-up to this year's? Uh, yeah, there has, actually. And I'll tell you what, I'm sitting outside the hall, and there's a queue, so it's not just this week, but there's queuing already outside the buildings. Oh, wow. <laughs> to build up this morning as well. <laughs> <laughs> it opens at ten, so. <laughs> okay, so what's what? What can people do there today? Um, because of course, Mel- um, Melbourne Uni Parkfield campus—it's a fair way from the sea. What will what yeah. will um, prospective marine biologists get to do when they go along today? Um, well, they can. There's two places you can come and talk to us. There's one, the main kind of hall area that I was describing, it's Wilson Hall, and um, there will be academics there talking about the specific subjects that you could take if you want to major in marine biology and there's also some PhD students so they can tell you about their research. There's also go to Biosciences 4 which is more towards Royal Parade and there's um, some sea stars in a tank there and the the, uh, the task is to guess the native and introduce species. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt, uh, yeah, I bet you can guess what's in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say Biosciences 4, is that the brown building next to um, the White Music Conservatorium? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, the old uh, zoology building, yeah. Yeah, that's what I know it as. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what else is happening in that building? Is, is it, um, and where are those um, tanks set up? Um, so they're on level one in the labs and there's lots of other um, 
cool things to have a look at from all the different disciplines in biosciences as well. So there's some um, genetics-type um, activities and there will be people talking about the thylacine as well or the, the genetic work they're doing to bring back the thylacine. So that's quite interesting, quite a lot of activities going on there. So the Wilson Hall is to talk about the, the subjects and then the activities are happening in the, in the Brown Building. <laughs> what um what what does a major in marine biology look like these days at Melbourne Uni Alley? Um, there's a there's three subjects that you take which are really core to the marine biology experience, and uh, the first one is a weekly um, field camp down in Queenscliff where they're really hands on um, kind of research experience, and then there's two subjects within the semester: applied marine science, uh, marine biology, and marine biology biodiversity and biogeography and so it's quite diverse yeah. yeah and you teach the biodiversity one is that right yeah that's right actually i teach into all of them okay and what, yeah. would, be, what would be the main differences between the two so one's more is one sort of pure and one applied in in their approach exactly exactly yeah first semesters more the pure and then applied and we get um really set our students up for a career in marine biology yeah try to give them all the, the breadth of experience um and knowledge that they need to go out and get jobs, really diverse jobs too. Yeah. Whereabouts whereabouts will you be located today? Um, I'll be at Wilson Hall with the marine biology and also the ecology major stands there. That's what I represent. Yeah, okay. So is Wilson Hall kind of set up a bit like speed dating where you've got all these different departments? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like a grad expo, like an expo thing, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. There's a lot of food and stuff going on as well. Yeah, love food. Yeah, Sounds like a party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they do have a par- I reckon they do have a party. I've been yeah. doing the rounds this year with my kids. Yeah. Um, so I've been to uh, to Deakin, uh, Monash, um, Swinburne, ACU and Melbourne Uni today. So, yeah, I, I need a bingo card where I can tick them all off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question for you, Ali. Uh, in terms of applying to do this, is it through a science degree? How does it work with, with uh, graduate pro- yeah. un- undergrad programs these days? Yeah, that's right, Bron. It's a Bachelor of Science major in marine biology. There's yep. about seven different um, different majors, School of Biosciences offers, and that's one of them. Yeah, okay, and of course we would be encouraging everybody to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, we better let you go. Um, you've you've got a, a minute and a half before it all kicks off, so good luck for today. And, um, yeah, I'll come and say good day with, with my uh, daughter in a couple of hours. Lovely. Thanks so much for having me on to have a chat. Yeah, always a pleasure. We'll catch up with you soon. Great. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Dr Alison O'Brien there from University of Melbourne gearing up for a big open day at Melbourne Uni. I just got a quick test, test, text from Myra who is on her way to Blair Gary. The morning for a morning dive. Viz reports have been pretty good below the pier yesterday, so hopefully it's good today. There's a northwesterly wind, so Blair Gary would be a good spot to hit up. So if you're down there, go and say hi to her. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Myra, very much. Thanks also, of course, to Dr Alison O'Brien, who we were just speaking with, Dr Paul Carnell from Deakin University, Dr Beach, who was up there on the beach uh, in southern Queensland, and Dave Donnelly at the start of our program, who was uh, up in far north Queensland. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.